Ahimsa for me is the source, I guess, the start of it all. You know, why one choose to do no harm? Why does one choose to live in a aware way? You know, why does one questions what's around? And I think Ahimsa, that this philosophy really signifies everything. Welcome to Mindful Businesses, presented by Sarani, and I'm your host, Vidya Iyer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands which are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. Today, we have with us Gabriel Silva, CEO of Ahimsa, Quality Vegan Shoes. Welcome, Gabriel. He joins us from Brazil. Hi, thanks for having me. In this age of awareness, with so many things going on in the world around us, why is it so important to be vegan? How does it help our society, our environment, and our community? Well, in my opinion, we are all part of this. As some people say, this is our spaceship and we have to take care of it. I always say that being vegan is much more than just not eating meat or any other animal products. So it's the word that was defined for the lifestyle that I chose and so many other people choose. And in my opinion, it is our duty to protect the place that where we live, the place that gives us everything that we are and that we have. So uh, the just the awareness of being part of something larger than yourself and looking at not just the other human beings, but the other life forms on this planet as passengers just like us on this ship is for me the reason why anybody should be vegan or turn vegan or, you know, um, choose a sustainable lifestyle. How is a vegan lifestyle sustainable? And you are in Brazil, which is a primarily a meat-eating yeah. culture. Well, for me, you know, with the evidence that we, of course, have already being vegan means that we are using the resources to the best of our availability. Of course, you know, if you try to move everyone towards a consumption as the Western lifestyle defines, then it's clearly mathematically defined that the planet would not be able to sustain that. For me, being vegan, everything that I consume, eating or any other kind of products, I'm trying to be aware of how everything is made, how is it grown, you know, what kind of chemicals are used in production or plantations or anything like that. So for, for me, um, choosing this lifestyle in addition to uh, minimizing cruelty, as I said, looking at other beings as similar to us, not inferior in any way, then sustainable-wise as well, then we're making choices out of awareness not just of uh, desire, economic values, or by what other people will think. Isn't it sufficient to be vegetarian? And I'm defining vegetarian as somebody who eats milk products and maybe eggs. Well, in, in my opinion, no. Mainly in that case, because of the animal cruelty aspect, I wouldn't say that being vegetarian would be enough for you know that kind of outlook as well. So I'm no expert, of course, but out of the information that I have, it's not enough. You know, the, the way dairy is produced and the way eggs are also produced in large scales, I think it's the same kind of problem with meat as well. And that's not even withstanding the cruelty aspect that's the most important part for me. Out of anything, number one priority for me is not being cruel. And in Brazil, how do you promote yourself as a vegan? How are you able to get by a company and yourself as a philosophy? 
Yeah, well, the, despite the majority of the Brazilian population, as you said, being meat eaters, uh, we do have a large portion that's about, I don't know, uh, over 20 million people at the last census that do not eat meat. So that's mainly because of religious beliefs, not necessarily a choice of being vegetarian or vegan. It's just that they have some sort of belief that um, asks or demands that they avoid such products. So for us, especially because of everything that's going around all over, you know, in Brazil as well with uh, taking care of the forests and everything, it's not a hard sell for us to, to be out there and say that we are a brand that's trying to care a bit more than others for the environment, you know, for the animals and for everything that's around us. So as I said, being vegan for me is an awareness, you know, so it is a way to show that you care and that you make conscious choices. So for us, as I said, we present ourselves as a brand that sells products, that's making conscious choices. So regardless, if you are directly a consumer of our products for being vegan or being vegetarian, there's also the opportunity for you to buy something that you believe in, you know, that's a little bit more than just a product like any other. As a person born and raised in India and a practicing Hindu, mm -hmm. your brand's name, Ahimsa, has special significance for me. Politically, it was one of Gandhi's thrusts during the freedom struggle, based on nonviolence as an active force in the freedom struggle. And on a personal level, my family has been vegetarian for, say, for about 20 generations. How do you pick the name Ahimsa? First, what is the meaning of Ahimsa? Ahimsa, for me, at least, means simply do no harm. A life choice, uh, a life philosophy of doing no harm for any other being, regardless of species or any other definition. For me, uh, the choice of naming my brand after that was simply a choice to try to communicate at once everything that I wanted the brand to signify. So, of course, for people not have grown with the close ties, as you just said, you have, it's a word that's a bit different, you know. It wouldn't automatically be understood by somebody that had no connection with that before. But it's a word that's easily pronounced. It has a very strong meaning behind it. And if you know it, you already know what it stands for. And if you don't know it, it's something that will, you will search for. Nowadays, it's easy. You know, any mobile phone, any computer, you can quickly type Ahimsa on a search engine. And the, the first result will be some article from Wikipedia, regardless of your native tongue. So it would be easy for anybody to quickly understand as well what the brand stands for. Uh, that was the idea. You know, I had the idea to start the business many, many months before I chose the name and I felt that I had everything ready to go but the name and through my research, the idea was to try to find, as I said, a strong word that defined what I wanted to achieve with my brand, with my product and uh, Ahimsa for me is the source, I guess, the start of it all, you know, why one choose to do no harm, why does one choose to live in a aware way you know why does one questions what's around and i think ahimsa that this philosophy really signifies everything right away that there's no need to go much beyond uh, no need to explain no need to tell a story or a name that i came up with or 
you know, it's a combination of something and some other thing. It, it was a name that I felt would inspire us to go in the direction of fulfilling everything that we want to achieve. So how did you come across this name? This word. It was basically searching for what's the origin of this? What's the origin of doing no harm? How far can I go in this search for seeing who first questioned it? Where does it first appear in history, this concept of doing no harm? You know, why does one choose to do that? The, the Ahimsa word kept coming up. Your brand and your logo has a lot of Eastern influence. Mm -hmm. If you break it up, you have the Lotus and the Tilak all combined to give you your brand logo mm -hmm. and it's very pretty it has such deep meaning the both components the lotus and the tilak what it means mm -hmm. but how did you come up with this combination do you have eastern religions or philosophies influencing your lifestyle so as i said the name was picked through research and we tried to really pick something that was meaningful and would guide us And the logo, we did the same process. So for us, it's a logo that we designed inspired by other things. And the idea there was to try to pick, again, something that was meaningful and related to the name and the choice of those images, you know, to make a combination of them to try to come up with our logo was that we, from the beginning, felt that the brand had strong values that was felt by everyone that was involved in this project. And the designer that came up with that uh, decided on that combination with the strong lines and an enclosed lotus flower was a way for us to transmit the ideas that we do have strong values and we hold it together. So we hold it closed, you know, so the lotus flower is usually presented opened and we decided for our logo, for our purposes that we will show it closed so that it signifies that our values are within us. And going on your question as well, for me, I didn't have any connections with the Eastern value, as you said, and it was mainly inspirational for me. I am spiritual. My family is. We do have a, a religion here in Brazil that's not very known outside of the country that is very spiritual and that's what i am a part of we share many similarities with hinduism and buddhism as well those connections are within me even though i'm not hindu or buddhist or any other eastern religion so what is that religion it's called spiritism that's mm -hmm. the name that's given in english i rarely found people that understood it outside of Brazil, uh, even though most of the knowledge and the information come from it really grew in Brazil. And that's where we have the, the large number of practitioners. Is it part of your religion to be vegetarian too? Or? There is guidance in it. Do not eat red meat, nothing too farther from that. So in the, the guidance is even more within certain times. So if you are going to do some things, then it's even more recommended that you avoid red meats and stuff like that, but not necessarily to avoid it forever or to be vegetarian or even vegan. So let's talk about your journey. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with the concept of making a vegan shoe? And did you have any experience in footwear? If I go through the whole story, I am an airplane pilot by training. 
And I was a business jet pilot before. Uh, I used to fly mainly internationally. I worked for companies here in Brazil and I would travel pretty much everywhere in the planet. Doing that, that was my childhood dream. And I achieved that at a very young age. At 19 years old, I was already flying private jets. And at 21, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And that's when I had to give up my flying career. I am insulin dependent for 10 years now. So that was the, the beginning of the change that brought me to where I am. So at the time, I knew that my flying career was indeed over. And I had to search for something else to fulfill my personal dreams, desires. And at the time, my father invited me to work with him. So he is in the footwear industry for almost 40 years at this point. And he invited me to come join his company. And I stayed there working with him. I still help in some way to this day. But I stayed mainly with him for about two years, learning the trade, um, acquiring knowledge, helping customers. He works mainly in product development. So he has an, an agency that helps other brands and stores to develop their own line and produce them here in the city where I am located that has many, many shoe factories. At the last count, there were over 600 in our region. So he invited me to join the company and to learn his, uh, his trade. And I did join. And at the same time, I told him that since I had lost my dream, you know, that was to be a pilot and to work in the area for many years to come, that the number one priority in my life from there was my health. The first thing I saw when I became diabetic and I had that diagnosis was that uh, the life expectancy was a bit shorter than everyone else. And I sort of made a goal to try to reduce that as much as possible. So as soon as I started working with him in parallel, I also started researching or reading everything that I could about what's the healthiest lifestyle I could pick for me. And avoiding animal products, you know, especially red meats. A basic vegetarian diet was probably the, the most common answer to my questioning. And I decided after some, maybe some months, maybe almost a year of research, that there was no more reason for me not to really take that in and go in that direction. So I became a vegetarian first. And once I became a vegetarian, I was suddenly aware of everything else and especially the animal cause and how we treat them. Learned a lot about the dairy and egg industry. And that's when I decided to be a vegan as well. So in that process, I was working with my father in his business and that was mainly leather shoes. And once again, I was at a crossroads, probably having to make a decision to go in another direction, to start another career again. And that's when I questioned, like, what am I going to wear from now on? You know, I like shoes. I work with shoes for a couple of years. Um, I have aspirations to be wearing something that I like. And I wasn't happy with probably wearing sneakers, just sneakers or flip-flops or anything like that. So, and when searching for vegan brands, I couldn't find anything at the time that was in the direction that I wanted. Nowadays, looking back in hindsight, I know I was probably a bit naive. I didn't look in the right places because I know so many brands nowadays and I'm friends with so many other founders that I probably would have found them. If I had found them at the time, then 
maybe I wouldn't have found Ahimsa, but luckily enough, I didn't find them. And that pushed me to in a direction that I saw it was possible for me to start something, you know, with the knowledge that I have, with the network that I had acquired with the couple of years that I worked in the industry and also with the experience and also the network of my father, then it would be easy for us to start something, prove the concept to see if other people were also looking for this kind of product. And from there, I decided to focus on that and start the brand. How old are you now and how old is Ahimsa? Ahimsa is seven and I'm 30. It is quite inspiring to see so many young people who have so much self-realization, so much social consciousness. Most of our guests, I would say at least 60 to 70% of our guests are 30 to 100. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite inspiring. What are the materials that you use which make your shoes vegan? So from the very beginning, we sort of chose the materials we, we use to try to showcase everything that was possible. So nowadays we use a range of materials, but in the beginning we decided to start with textiles only so that people would see clearly that there was something different. We used at the time mainly recycled cotton canvas, also recycled PET bottles in the canvas that we used. And we have since expanded to use synthetics as well. And mainly the materials that we use now are PU. They make the look of animal leather and it was an evolution for us to achieve that. As I said, like the idea from the beginning was to clearly showcase that we were something different, that we were trying to make shoes that were uh, not of animal products. And now we have transitioned to a place where we want to be very welcoming to all customers, regardless if they are vegan or not. And we understand that some people maybe not necessarily want to be seen wearing canvas shoes. So especially for formal occasions or, you know, office attire like that. But we do keep a range that's balanced between organic cotton you know cotton or recycled cotton we use textiles that have recycled pet bottles in their process as well so it's a very extensive uh, selection of materials and we try to cater to everyone needs depending on how strict they are with the sustainable aspect while everything is of course vegan but sometimes vegan materials get a flag by environmentalists because they're petroleum-based Do you use any such material? Uh, The polyurethane, the PU, the microfiber that we use, the main component of polyurethane comes from uh, petroleum. So we are aware of that. And we do keep an eye on all the alternatives that are coming up. We have samples of everything here in the factory, in the office, and we try them as best as we can. Um, So far, on trying to balance the sustainable aspect with the quality and durability aspects as well we have found and we try and you know we see the performance of the material and that's currently the best that we have so like i said the number one goal of the brand and the number one driver of our business is to to, to do vegan products they are cruelty free And that's number one on our list. And of course, the sustainable aspect and the environmental aspect are right below it. But we have to make some choices. And while we keep an eye on everything that's going on, we haven't found yet a material that is and has a the quality and durability aspects that we want for our footwear. There are a lot of debates in the fashion industry of these aspects of how real sustainable something is it's of course very hard to do all the calculations and especially for a small like ourselves 
we are of course relying on other people's and uh, data and research but uh, for me the fact that uh, even though our material comes from petroleum but it, it is cruelty free is more than enough for me to choose as long as it has quality in it and mm -hmm. i don't know i would be inclined to believe that maybe the material is also maybe a little more sustainable than the pastures and the feeding cows and the water needed for that and all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you have to sell and you have to make money. You have to sustain as a brand. So there is this delicate balance, this dance that we all have to do to be a viable business too and meet the goals. And your goal is to be cruelty-free. Yeah, it, it's always a balance and... Uh, I mean, we've done prototypes in the past of a shoe that's basically biodegradable already, you know, and we do have the technology to make such choices, but the quality aspect and the durability aspect are a bit lacking. And it's always uh, tough for anybody that's dealing with manufacturing or selling, as you said, to make those choices. It's tough for us to be the ones choosing, but we are doing everything we can to better understand what the market demand is. You know, if you sell a shoe to somebody that's, all biodegradable, but it will probably last maybe two months. Then I know the customer will probably be happy on purchase, but very sad by the time the shoe is no longer usable. So we are the ones on this side of the, the fence, <laughs> I say, I guess, making the choice and try to make that as best as we can with what the customers are telling us. So we, of course, try to be uh, as sustainable as possible. And we keep at every single collection we try to make uh, different choices, always thinking of those terms. And um, with the research that I see and the materials that come to us that we touch and we try, we know that within some years we'll be there. As of now, we have to make the hard choices uh, to choose the materials that will give quality and durability that the customers expect. Yeah, and one important metric of sustainability is durability, right? Exactly. So you have to meet that metric. And which brings me to my next question. I saw that your footbed were made of biodegradable materials. I don't know if you had it in all style or it's one particular style that I found. It's most of our styles that we use a material that's called biolatex and it's done by a supplier not too far from us and they've had this material for many years already and it is biodegradable. So uh, it's not only sourced from nature, but it's renewable and the material itself is biodegradable as well. Not just sustainable, but also very, very comfortable. So it's not in all the shoes that we make for construction restraints and style restraints but it's in most of our shoes. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to one of our episodes. Um, the brand is called Deserto. Yeah, and I have their samples in front of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so their their uh, uh, material looks really promising. Mm -hmm. I interviewed them. They actually made uh, boxing gloves. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've seen purses. Another of my guests, she wanted to get connected. She makes vegan handbags i just a month ago connected them both yeah so there are alternatives coming up slowly because we don't have a choice we have to be sustainable we have to be cruelty free yeah so as i said we do keep an eye on everything that's happening and we see many alternatives coming up deserto from mexico has the the cactus leather i have samples as well from the grape leather from italy the mushroom leather from the netherlands and also from brazil 
We've tried latex leather in the past as well. So we are trying everything that we can. It's always a compromise, as we've spoken already, that most of the alternative materials right now, they do rely still on some sort of synthetic component to try to make them either stable or to fix some gap in the, you know, in their formulas. And I'm always watching the percentage, you know, okay, so it is sustainable, but you know, how much, how, what's the percentage of this material that comes from this or that, you know, and it, are there synthetics? And if so, what's the percentage of that? When we see a lot of these alternatives, they are still over 50% uh, made of some sort of synthetic. And we do understand that it, it is a process that they are also trying to achieve, you know, the, the more sustainable possible, you know, so they are growing at every iteration of their materials. They get more confident and the quality gets better. The manufacturing procedures get better. All of us that deal with this kind of materials, regardless if it's just the, the PU, the synthetic or you know, the alternative, we are also, we are all lacking scale and usually scale will solve most of this problem. So we understand that we are in collaboration, you know, uh, we have to be the ones also pushing them to get better and to drive the percentages to be higher and higher. So that's why we try to keep an eye on everything that's happening. And we try to try as many materials as we can to give feedback and to also understand how far they've gone and always making the, the, the choice in the end, what we bring to market. Uh, I really believe what you said about uh, the most sustainable choice is thinking of quality. So if you're making a shoe that will only last for a couple of months or maybe just a year or so, then wouldn't it be better if the shoe would be usable for, you know, five, 10 years, then that's already the, the most sustainable choice of all. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's very nice to be involved in everything in that matter, you know, being able to speak to somebody that's developing a material that's brand new, that they're trying some formula that no one tried before. The, the fact that we are trying, it, it amuses me to see that uh, each country is using whatever they have. You know, the fact that Italy, that the guys there are using grapes to make their version of a vegan sustainable leather and the guys in Mexico are using the cactus. And, you know, here in Brazil, we, we have trials with the latex uh, material that we have in the Netherlands with the mushrooms. It's, it's very funny to me that we, each country is trying what they know best, you know, what's the better understood, I guess, by the, the local culture as well. So um, it's nice to see that happening. And as I said, I, I really believe that within some years, we will have all the, the alternatives that we need that are sustainably produced, renewable, and also some sort of hopefully biodegrading capability. You apprenticed at your uh, father's factory or workshop. Mm -hmm. Is the process of making a shoe similar for leather and the other materials? Because the way you stretch it on the last, mm -hmm. the way it it feels on the foot. How were you able to transfer the knowledge you gained to that? Was it really hard or was it like, oh, I know how to do it in leather. I know how to do it with vegan materials. So the manufacturing process per se is basically the same. When making a vegan shoe, the, the awareness that you need is where are the animal products because they're a bit more than just the leather in the upper or in the lining. So you have to to know where to look and how to avoid it. But once you are free from those, the process itself is the same. There are some 
cavities, uh, you know, here and there that you go learning. A textile is a bit harder to work with and you need to reinforce it in the right areas so you make it durable but not stiff. And that's in general part of the industry already because, of course, canvas sneakers or canvas shoes is nothing new. And it really depends on the factory that is making something to see if their production team already have the knowledge. Otherwise, it's a quick learning process and of course the knowledge goes from team to team from factory to factory that we've worked with in the past and only our factory since 2014 then we control the process directly and we employ and train everyone directly so the knowledge is already within us Um, so nothing too different besides the vegan portion and the cruelty-free portion of your shoes how else is ahimsa mindful well, for, for us, really, the, the next step after starting the brand and making vegan shoes and choosing the materials that we thought were more sustainable and more durable was how to deal with the, the people that make our shoes. You know, So, as I said, since we started the brand in 2013, so seven years ago. And in 2014, about six months after the brand had launched, we made a decision to open our own factory. The idea behind that was to make sure we could employ everyone directly to make sure that we were also ethical in our dealings. You know, of course, we were already doing some of that even before where we were outsourcing production. But for us to really close the loop was important to control everything. So to hire everyone directly, to train everyone directly, and to also see how the products were made and to keep an, a vegan environment throughout production. So when you outsource production, of course, you're not controlling what the factory is doing all the time. So at the same time that my shoes were being made at the factory that outsourced it for us, they were also making leather shoes. And that was something that I wasn't happy with. I wasn't concerned with any kind of, let's say, contamination or anything like that, uh, just because the way shoes are made that, I don't know, what my beliefs are and what I believe as a person and what I wanted the brand to also value. The, just the energy involved, you know, with leather shoes being made by the side of mine, that's not something that I was happy with. So starting our own factory to guarantee that the shoes were made in a vegan environment and that we employed everyone directly and trained everyone directly and were able to care for them as the best as we could. So that was really important for me. Where are your shoes sold? Do you have stores? So we do sell mainly online. We have websites that you know, cater for a couple different markets. So we do have a Brazilian dedicated store, a US centric store, and also another website that deals with sales for everywhere else. And we also have partners distributed across the globe, few retailers in the United States, a bunch of retailers in Europe, and also in Australia. So we have a well distributed sales channels as well. We really rely on our partners. There are vegan only footwear stores and we are happy to be working with them so that they provide a great service for the customers in their region. We really believe that our product is something a bit more special than just regular footwear. And we really rely on our partners to be able to tell the story and to let the customers know that by buying something from us, they are helping a small business from Brazil that employs everyone directly. Today's October 8th. Brazil has over 5 million. United States has over 7.5 million. And worldwide, there are 36 million cases of the coronavirus. 
Brazil closely follows India and the United States in the number of crises. These are unprecedented and unusual times. How has this affected your business? And how have you coped? How have you innovated? How do you keep your people employed? Because this is going on for eight months now. For us, I clearly remember the first meeting we had about this was March 16th, many weeks before it became an issue, let's say, here in Brazil. And on that day, by reading everything that was happening abroad, I told my team that we were going to be doing something about it, that we weren't going to wait for it to come or wait for any governmental guidance. So after that day, I decided to send everyone home that could work from home. So all the office team went home pretty much the next day. And I advised my factory personnel that probably something was about to happen in the coming weeks so that we needed to be aware and to also guide our team to be taking this seriously. As you said, it's really unprecedented for all of us. Once in a century thing that's going on. So no one here knew really the size of this and how far it would go and what would the next step really. So in a few days after that, our city, uh, the mayor decided to require that all businesses and pretty much all activities cease for at least two weeks. And so we had to shut down our factory for those initial two weeks. After that, it was allowed to come back and we promptly came back because we had commitments with our customers and our retailers and we made all the necessary provisions uh, everyone wearing masks and all the availability of cleaning supplies and uh, extra cleaning uh, face shields and everything and also social distancing to this day the office people are still mainly working from home but the factory personnel came back mid-april and we pretty much have been working non-stop since then and luckily we were able to rely on our partners to keep everything going. We, of course, suffered major reductions in our sales, especially in the months of April and May. And my number one goal throughout this time was to keep everyone employed. And that's a commitment I made with them that I was going to hold for as long as possible. And we were able to keep that for about eight months. And just a couple of weeks ago, we had to let some people go mainly to make sure that we are restructuring for the months to come. Here in Brazil, we have some protection for the unemployed. And for shoe factories, the busy season really starts in January, February. So the unemployed will get about four months of governmental help. And now was the time that I could, you know, make some reductions in the the number of employees that we had to make sure that they were able to take advantage of the governmental support until the other factories, even ourselves, hopefully, will be able to start increasing the headcount again. We also did some, we tried to help as best as we could in our region. So we helped the local hospitals to make uh, masks and face shields. I mean, I think we made over 50,000 uh, masks and over a thousand face shields for the hospitals the nurses, the doctors to wear, to use and wear and protect themselves. Um, so we did like within those two weeks that we had to stop and then coming back, the production was a little lower than we were able to, to do. So we had some space and we could fit that in as a way to help. 
it was nice for us to make sure that we were also helping in any way that we could. It, it, it is to this day unprecedented. So we rarely know what we're dealing with and how far this will go. So I believe that it's important for us as a brand, as a factory, as a member of our community to be helping as best as we can. So I tried to do everything that was within my grasp. First of all, was to try to keep everyone I could employed for as long as possible. As I said, just recently, we had to let some people go and also to help in any other way that I could. So we do have machinery to, you know, be stitching and cutting and stuff like that. There was really in demand, as always, in a capitalist economy. The, the day that was said that masks would be needed, the prices skyrocketed. So all the health organizations around us started looking for alternatives that they could fit within their budget by also be you know within the guidelines that they needed to protect everyone that was working in the front line it was something that that kept us motivated throughout the, the darkest days it, it gave you something to look forward to when you give back to the community yeah pretty much we decided that we had to contribute in any way we could because of the expertise that we have and the capabilities machinery wise and knowledge wise that we have we saw that there was the potential for us and we tried to answer the calls that came asking for you know from the health organizations and the, the local politicians as well to try to help as best as we could like you mentioned the fallout of this is worldwide economic downturn how do you think it will impact sustainability the whole philosophy so many companies were on the path of creating a sustainable brand, even big boxes like H&M was talking about sustainability, Levi's, you know, the jeans companies. How do you think this will impact the company's journey? In, in my opinion, I think, of course, it drives a lot of concerns in the beginning because such a change in direction, in philosophy requires investment. So I'm sure some companies questioned if they should remain within what they had planned before but i see from the customer side in my opinion it will drive the adoption of sustainable values you know and sustainable consumption even faster i think for us we make footwear we are of course at the bottom of the pyramid in terms of what somebody needs in a time like this i always say that i'm very sure nobody's buying our products because they they really need that at the time, you know, it's a, it's another pair of shoes. It's something else that they want. It's something that they need for a special occasion or something like that. So we're not selling uh, shoes for somebody that doesn't have any other pair. So what I feel that happens and happened to me as a customer, as a consumer of products in general, is that you're buying less uh, at this time. You're making conscious choices about what you're buying. And I believe that this will change how we consume, you know, because instead of just buying for buying sake, uh, you're now thinking a bit more, maybe because your budget constrained because of the, the downturn in the economy, maybe you lost your job, uh, but also, um, you know, just questioning, do I really need this? You know, I'm probably not going to be leaving home. I'm not going to be going anywhere. You know, I'm, there's no formal events for me to attend, like, do I really need something like this? I think that drives the the change. And I hopefully will see it as I believe, you know, that people will start from now on to accelerate their change and to think a bit more about what they're buying, what they're consuming, if they really need it. And also with that, I hope that it comes the questioning about how stuff is made. On that note, Gabriel Silva, 
of Ahimsa. Thank you so much for coming on Mindful Businesses. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure for me to be able to tell our story, to share a bit of my knowledge. I consider that I'm learning every single day and I'm always trying to look for more information and podcasts are the main source for me nowadays. Uh, I really like to listen and to get knowledge. So it was a pleasure to come and to share the little bit that I know. If you're a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send us a message on our Facebook or Instagram page. If you learned one thing or two from this episode, share it with one friend. Our Instagram ID is mindful underscore businesses underscore podcast. Subscribe to Mindful Businesses on your favorite podcast application. We recorded this podcast in Lafayette, Indiana. Item Gale composed the music for this podcast. This is Vidya Ayer with Mindful Businesses.